Life Audio. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. Oh, oh, Rachel's on it. She's got to say hello. You're feeling you're feeling a lot of ownership here over the. I know. Well, like I got I got to put some pep in my step. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, so I'm like I'm here to be excited. And you just said like I have 28 things to do in the next 24 hours. Same. Here. That's I've actually literal stacks and mountains of student papers surrounding my desk. Like it's gotten to the point where it's just I, I can't move or I'm gonna hit something. <laughs> stacks on stacks on stacks, stacks on stacks. stacks. <laughs> Graded papers. Oh my goodness. Well, hey, we also know you guys have been busy out there because a few weeks ago we talked about our reviews and Rachel, we are up to three hundred and Hey, reviews. Come on, well, come on, and bless you, number 301. <laughs> Way to bring it over to one. 301. They Love brought it. They brought it, and they that was just this week. And I feel like I should read it for us so that everyone else can hear it. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Enjoy the teaching shared by Nicole and Rev. Rachel. Once again, the Rev. Rachel really sticks. It's a sticky, it's a sticky thing. Yeah, just a real uh, thank, time, you, thank you so much. Love that. Thank you, KC2018, for finding a way to leave an Apple podcast review that I still say is one of the hardest things that you can figure out on your phone. So, so true. Thank you. Thank you for your reviews. It's so fun to have our crowd growing here as we just talk about the Bible. Hey, if you guys are in the middle of a busy day, a busy week, a busy month, if you are feeling overwhelmed and stressed out by life, guess what? Rachel and I are too. Correct. But, 
<laughs> and we share that because we come to the word of God just like you come to it. And we're just being faithful to set aside a few minutes each week to say, okay, God, I believe that your word is relevant to my life, that your word is life. It brings life to me and it lets us connect with God in deep ways. And it's what he wants us to know, right? So we're doing that together and we're going to do that today with our friend, Mo. Hey, we love you, Mo. It's going to be a good time. Uh, All right. We're going to be, well, sorry. Do you have something you want to say? I was just going to say, we're going to start with the backstory. That's what we decided, even though that's question two in our Help My Bible's Alive framework. We're going to start with it because it's too hard to jump into Exodus 20 without a little bit of context. And this is kind of, the Old Testament's lively. There's this a lot going on. And I think it gets a bad rap. I know it's got a lot that's hard to understand or hard to interpret. But if you haven't been in the Old Testament in a while, man, you need to get back there because it is a good time here. It, it is. It is. It is a ride. Yes. It's a ride. Yes, indeed. Um, All right. We're, we're, we are getting crazy. We're jumping over the backstory because, whoa, look out. We're actually not in Genesis this week. We're on, we're on week five. I think we figured that out. And, and we, we are officially in really important things. But... <laughs> So many really whole, important things. We skip the whole story of Joseph, but don't worry, guys. That's what my next book is about. Yeah, yeah. Read we'll the book. Have a whole, we'll have a whole series uh, in the spring about read the, read the book. She'll get you up to speed. So we've literally skipped 400 years. That has happened since Jacob wrestles with God, what we talked okay. about last time. And so Jacob's family has now relocated to Egypt. Cue the Joseph story. That's a, There's a whole reason as to why that happened. Yep. And several hundred years passed. So now Jacob's, well, relatively large family has now grown into an actual nation, which is what God promised Abraham. Mm-hmm. But eventually yep. the the Pharaoh in charge, as if I remember rightly in the early chapters of Exodus, it says that the Pharaoh forgot Joseph. So the legacy yep. of why the Hebrews were there had become forgotten. This guy gets threatened by all of these foreigners who are living in his turf. And so he decides to kind of curb their flourishing by enslaving them. Mm-hmm. And very long story short, in response, God launches one of the most epic rescue missions of the Bible. I mean, yeah. the, the Exodus story is one, it's, it becomes the foundational story we need to understand what Jesus does, the passion. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is God sends an Israelite named Moses. There's a whole story around him. He grew up in Pharaoh's household, fled to the desert because he killed somebody. And God says, you're going to go speak for me and lead my people to freedom. He does this. And then cue the 10 miraculous plagues, Prince of Egypt, anybody, anybody or anybody, anybody, anybody out of Oh, my word. Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston. Uh, so that <laughs> a duo worth the price of admission. So the Pharaoh finally agrees to let the people go. The story builds up to this climactic moment when God separates the waters of the Red Sea and the Israelites pass through and the waters collapse and destroy mm. Pharaoh's army. Mm. 20th chapter of Exodus. So that was so impressive. I feel like we should like. We should put music behind that. It just should be like... Preferably Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. (laughs) Uh, But so that's the part of the story that you get if you have, in fact, seen Prince of Egypt. But what happens next is actually just as important because this is the now what? So how do we take this motley crew of these traumatized ex-slaves and help them start start over? So many of them. How do they start start a new life? Mm -hmm. They have nothing. They're in the middle of nowhere. How do they even cultivate an imagination for freedom and for what their lives can be? Because all they've ever known are generations of misery and oppression and slavery. So what does it actually mean to live as the free and joyful people of God? Mm. Cue Exodus 20. Here we go. And we this go. Is, you're up. And you probably know parts of Exodus 20 from if you've been around, you know, Sunday school at all, or you might even have bad memories. I was on the phone this morning at, at a work thing, and we were talking about Catholic school and growing up. Nothing wrong. I'm not not dissing on any Catholics, but... This particular experience for these people who are not people of faith is like, this is my experience. It's like rules. 
legal, like all this, you know, stuff, all of the shame and condemnation. And we want to enter in with fresh eyes. And I love what you just shared, Rachel, because it's like, okay, guys, this is our story. Like our story of following Jesus is that we were oppressed, we were enslaved, and we're, we're called out of that, but we're not yet in the promise of eternity. We're in the middle. We're in the middle of it. And it's like, how now shall we live? And we get the answer to that question in this chapter, Exodus 20. So let's let's talk about what we see here, Rach, when we're going through what stands out to you. What parts do you want to? I mean, there might be a little bit of like framework also for like why these 10 commandments? Like mm-hmm. why were these the 10 things that God had to say? Yeah, and that's certainly worth diving into. Of all the priorities God wanted to lay out, yeah. these these are literally the top 10. Yeah, the, the, I think the first thing that strikes me is the order. Mm. because it is if i was writing them it would not be the order that it's in like i would think i would think murder would be higher up on the chain. yeah it would be like start step one don't kill anybody uh-huh. don't kill anybody yeah but no but it's not it's actually towards the caboose and mm. so so i do have questions about what is the order trying to teach us about mm. god's priorities um, mm. what what grabs you yeah i mean right right there in the beginning you know it's it's interesting to me that some commands are really short some commands have context with them and color around them. And, you know, always, always, you know, starting my ministry life as a therapist, this verse in here about God being a jealous God who punishes the children for the sin of their parents always has been a real sticking point um, yeah. for some of my clients who are trying to figure out who is God? Is he good? Why did this happen? Why is this my family? Those kind of questions. So, yeah. of course, when I see it here, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a big statement there, you know, mm-hmm. that's being said. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, that that strikes me is the very first verse, which is actually this kind of introductory sentence mm-hmm. of, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Mm-hmm. And I think it's super important to realize that Israel has already been delivered and mm-hmm. rescued before they ever received the law. Mm-hmm. And that is the order that God does things like God is mm-hmm. the rescuer. First and foremost, Israel contributes nothing to the process. Mm-hmm. And then God says, this is what it looks like to live as a free people. Mm-hmm. And that that is consistent throughout the whole Bible. Well, and that's I mean, that gets us into, you know, we're we're jumping around today. But like question three, what does it mean? The reality of like our last five weeks together in Genesis and now Exodus, there has been this consistent theme of order. Like mm. not only orderly, like God is ordering the world in a certain way, but also even the order of things that we're reading, the order of things that take place, what God does, and then what is human response. And we're, I love that you just pointed out that we're seeing that echoed again, which is why I do think the fact that maybe the, why are the commands in this order? Like in, in to, if we get continuing that forward, that the very first thing, right, that we need to know is that deliverance has already happened, that God has already claimed this this people for himself before he gets into now here's a framework and if you were going to say like i sometimes i i almost feel like we have to redeem the 10 commandments like mm-hmm. they've been sort of yeah, bring them back we gotta claim them uh, yeah. we gotta claim them back they're like mm-hmm. vintage commands and mm-hmm. and some of it i think feels far away or like the language you know is this real do we have to keep the sabbath like you know, people are either very, very rigid about things like the Ten Commandments, or I think can often just be very licentious, just like it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't really apply to us. How would you like if you had a bumper sticker for what the Ten Commandments actually is, what would you call it? What would it be? I think it would be God's vision for the good life. I mean, these are kind of the the fundamentals that help a society, a community of people flourish. 
Mm. And if you think through, if if you just kind of on their face value looked at them, and some of them, is, again, might be a little tricky to understand, but for the most part, you'd be like, yeah, if we treated each other like that, mm-hmm. we'd probably be a little better off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we, mm-hmm. we would probably be a healthier neighborhood if everybody actually did all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think God is building a, just a very rudimentary and in a, in a fundamental foundational kind of way. Mm-hmm what his people look like and i particularly we can, probably can't get too far into this but jesus is going to pick this up in the sermon on the mount when he's mm-hmm. kind of doing the same thing 2.0 yeah so that's that's what i would say yeah and that's a great point and we did a sermon on the mount series so you can go back to that and kind of yeah. find those go, go listen to that like that yeah but i love like just again if you go very high level and this is also i always tell people when they're reading the bible i'm like hey rewrite for yourself kind of like make an outline or try to try to put subtitles in what you're reading like sometimes that can help you see what's happening here and it's really interesting to me that there's kind of these first commands that are are a, a value system an internal value system and then we get into like an ethic of how we would treat other people so there's there's first kind of getting it right internally and getting ordered correctly as a human being and then what does that look like in the way that you treat relationships? Have you seen another way that you break it down, Rach? Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y, or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Yeah, I mean, I think many of y'all might be aware of this, but I think it is super helpful that if you look at the first four, those are God oriented. Mm-hmm. Right? How do we understand and think about and worship God? Mm-hmm. And the, the back six are people oriented. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, loving God, loving neighbor. And it is, in fact, Sounds loving. Familiar. Yeah, it does indeed. And it is, in fact, loving God that that is grounding for how you love your neighbor. So I think mm-hmm. we can get into this a little bit when we get there. But there's a reason Sabbath comes before murder. And the short version is if I'm rested, I'm a lot less likely to be to beat you up. Yes. Yes. 
If I, yeah. And, and rest is this long command mm -hmm. in yes. here. And yeah, that's a, that's a whole like series on its own to really talk mm -hmm. about Sabbath. But, you know, I love that when we talk about this, you know, of course, what comes to mind is you think about the story of Jesus being tested and being asked, what, what is the greatest commandment? Mm -hmm. And his ability to say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, which is actually what the Ten Commandments are. He like mm -hmm. took what was 10 and made it one and it's still 10. Like it's yeah. the same. Everything else fits into it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think like, especially as believers who are not, didn't grow up in the Jewish faith, maybe don't have a deeper knowledge of the Old Testament. This is why it says in the Gospels over and over again that people were astonished by Jesus. And I think it's just so easy to miss that. It's so familiar that what he was doing was so brilliant. The ability to take all that is and all that was and say that the things that he did is it's praiseworthy. I mean, it really is like that's who Jesus is. And it wasn't something different. It was all that we learn and that we've seen here in these commandments. Mm -hmm. That's good. So do you want to maybe just do a quick flyby of the, as we kind of look in the meaning of them? Yeah. So, we, so if we got the first first two, mm -hmm. you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above mm -hmm. or on earth beneath the waters below. So this, these are both surrounding idolatry, yeah. right? And I think one of the super important things is, again, one, this is kind of setting the tone for everything else because mm -hmm. idolatry is loving anything else more than you love God. Mm -hmm. And that matters not only because only God is worthy of our worship, but because it actually warps us. Mm -hmm. And so one of my verse that I think is super helpful out of Second Kings 17 says this, but they would not listen and were as stiff necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord, their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes he'd warned them to keep. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Mm. So the profound insight of both the Ten Commandments and that passage and just the Old Testament narrative is that we become like what we worship. Yeah. And if you worship God, you're made in his image and you're becoming to the fullness of yourself and anything mm -hmm. else will just warp you beyond distortion. Mm -hmm. oh, so good. And it's out of love that like this is also the context that we read these out of love. This is mm -hmm. this is a God who loves us, who knows how we're made and he knows how we operate and how we operate for human flourishing, which is there. And I'll just make a comment on this I'm the Lord, your jealous God, and and feel free to, to yeah, speak please, into it. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to interpret this passage. One of them is that God is naming a reality. Like, it is a reality that the consequences of sin go through generations. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about alcoholism that goes through generations, divorce that goes through generations. There are things that we experience. It is actually just a, like kind of a fact that warped people who are wounded and carry things, do carry them forward, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's why I often say that one of the greatest miracles of knowing Jesus is having generational patterns broken. And mm -hmm. it may seem like a small thing because I feel like people are just like, I'm here for Jesus. Like, I need a podcast and an international nonprofit and I need to start a church. And I'm like, or you could just break some generational patterns and yeah. actually set the course of the generations to come on a different path. Like, that mm -hmm. is remarkable and beautiful. And then we can also just take it by the math and mm -hmm. know that this is not a necessarily, this is not God like being linear with us and giving us like a, a curse that is saying anything more than the the power of God's love is a force multiplier exponentially more than the mm -hmm. curse of, of sin in a generation, in a community, in a family. Like 
It's not because it's actually a thousand and actually three and four. It's three and four compared to a thousand. That's how much God's love has more power than that sin. So you don't get too caught up in like being cursed or God cursing you. Cause I don't think that's really the, the context with which God is making a point here. Yeah. And, and as the Old Testament shows us too, anybody who turns to God receives his forgiveness and, and, and freedom. I like think of Ruth, who's not even in the covenant people, but she says, Hey, God, I want in. God says, Yes. I mean, God is looking and eager for an opportunity to show love and mercy and, mm-hmm. and does so at every available opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. I think it's first chronicles, the eyes of the Lord. Mm-hmm. roam throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Like there wouldn't, no, there is, this isn't binding anyone by their family. This, that's not what the point is. The actual point is the power of that love is so much greater and so much stronger and extends so much further than mm-hmm. any of the the things that you might be facing and dealing with in your life. Mm. Amen. Come on. Amen. Wanna, amen. Do you want to tackle the next two? Um, Summarize those. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Uh, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Uh, you know, this is a funny one that we can get on kids about. Like, don't, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. That was a big deal in my family. Um, I heard comedian Nate Bargatze say there's there's no one as Christian as Christian parents from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> the most Christian of the Christian. And it's not that that's a bad thing. And and what I what I love about this is that God is revering who he is. He's trying to help us, like, stay in connection with reverence for who he is. And we could go to the book of James to read about the power of words. So I think that like God is is letting us know who we are and what we're shaped by. And that if we profane his name, if we misuse his name, if we bring him down to our level in some ways, we are going to be on a slippery slope to idolatry. Like that's part of, mm. of the story. And it's, and it's important. And then the Sabbath, you know, I mean, that's a whole, we could talk about that forever, but like this idea that God made a gift for us. Because he knows how we're wired. And I like to say it's hard to stay a Christian for more than six days without a day of rest. Like, God's mm-hmm. like, if you're trying to live in this world and live and love in this world and you don't have that rest and you don't have that margin, you're like you said, we can't go on to the ethic of how we actually love other people. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if I can just interject two, yeah, two things. One, I think in addition to everything you said about taking God's name in vain, what's also really cool is we talked about last time how a big of a deal names are in the Old Testament. Yeah, exactly. Part of, part of why that is, is when you invoke someone's name, you're actually saying they basically saying they endorse something. Mm. And so to take God's name mm. is also to stick God's name on something God doesn't claim. Mm. And you could probably think mm. pretty quickly about ways that you have seen the destruction of mm. that. I mean, just historically, the KKK, right? I mean, like how damaging it is when mm. God is attached to something that is ungodly. Yeah. So he's a big problem with that. And I think also worth pointing out in the Sabbath, is that it is so important both for us as individuals, but also for justice in communities. Like, you know, this it's not just it's not just men who get the Sabbath. It's, yeah. it's men, women, servants, the animals, the right. earth eventually gets, you know, will will be treated that way. And so it's actually a way for maintaining justice mm-hmm. in a world that really quickly devolves into exploiting people who don't have the luxury of taking a day off. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, too, that you bring that up, because that's starting to pull that justice thread also that we're going to see in God's design for human beings. It's very, very difficult for us to remember, but let's go back to last week. There's no police. There's no law. It's the law of conquest. It's the law of power. And God is rightfully like, he is redistributing power all the time in the in the way that he designs an ethic for people, which we then see in that next section, right? Mm-hmm. Because the next section is all about working against the impulse that says power is the most important thing that you can have. 
if you're the strongest, the fittest, the richest, you're going to get what you want. And we still live in that world, everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, sure do. We might not be taking each other's oxen, but we are taking a lot from each other often, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure you've had different ways to teach that to your students. But the whole next to me, the whole last section Mm -hmm. then goes into this idea that was so revolutionary that Jesus really elevated, which is that human beings are made in the image of God. And they that does that means everyone has inherent worth and value. It doesn't matter who they are, what they bring to the table. Every single person has inherent worth and value. And we see that play out in the Gospels, in the the, the way that Jesus went to the margin, that, that he went to the oppressed, he went to the forgotten about, he went to the overlooked. Those are often sort of the hero in the story. Like the character in the story is someone like that, a marginalized person. That was so revolutionary that we can lose track of that. And, you know, I've often said, one of the things I would always come down hard on my kids about was name calling. <laughs> so if they were like, you're an idiot, I'm like, no, you can say you have done an idiotic thing, but you cannot say you are an idiot because we don't name and objectify people ever because everyone has inherent value and worth and we're not going to do that. And so that's a part of what we see, I think, in this mm-hmm. next section. So let me ask you a question that one of my college students just asked me after mm-hmm. class just a few weeks back. And this student walks up and says, hey, is honor your father and mother in the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, it's in there. Mm. And he goes, well, what do you do when they're bad people? Mm-hmm. Great question. I've also talked about this one a lot. Yeah, you, be- you better believe this one comes up in counseling. Um, honor does not say blindly obey. Mm. Honor does not say be in relationship with. Mm. Honor does not say stay under the thumb or dysfunction of a dysfunctional family. But honor does mean that we do put our father and mother into maybe a special category. And what I mean by that is Mm. forgiveness is really difficult. Forgiveness is another one of those miracles that if you have really been hurt and damaged by somebody, and especially if you were taken advantage of because you didn't have as much power or you didn't have authority, experiencing the ability to let that person off the hook of your heart. I'm not saying they're not, they're not on the hook, but to give them back to God, to actually be yeah. free, to experience the healing power of forgiveness is a miracle. And I would put fathers and mothers in the category where they are worth the work. Mm. And I, I do think in our culture, we do have a, a culture that says, I'm going to have boundaries. I'm going to cut people out. We have a very, very quick to isolate right now. So this isn't even the way that I would say this 20 years ago in counseling, but it is the way I say it now. Like, it's it's a lot of work to forgive someone, but to forgive is to heal and to be free. And that actually, I think, is a way to honor your father and mother. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about being in a relationship with them. And there are people who are toxic, dangerous, not good. We don't have to, as adults, still live under that. Your Your parent no longer serves the same role. Your parent is just another adult and you're an adult when you are an adult. You don't have to live into their ethic or their behavior or their choices at all. But I do think they require a space in our heart where we're willing to do the work to allow God to forgive and heal. Mm, that's beautiful. Thanks for asking. There wasn't planning on saying that, but that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's good. Wow, there's so a lot here, guys. There's a lot here. And when we started, we're like, we're busy, we're overwhelmed. And now we're like, oh my gosh, and I need to forgive my father and mother. <laughs> <laughs> Take the deep dive. But, but that to me is honor. That's what I mean by honor. And, um, you know, we can all, we can parse that together and think about what that word means. But, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there's something humble too about deciding to forgive people, deciding their worth working on that's working on yourself 
that actually does set us up for better love when it comes to murder and adultery and stealing and all the things that are about objectifying, right? Mm -hmm. People and removing sort of that, that, that person part of the people. Because that's what I think we end with on these mm-hmm. last pieces. Do you want to say anything about these last pieces before we wrap up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just part of the, the just, just a few more important things. Again, go listen to the Sermon on the Mount because the yeah, Jesus right takes this and takes it, kind of deepens it and make gets really inside how deep and wonderful it is. Yeah. I think the thing worth kind of landing on is one we recognize that Israel fails at this all the mm-hmm. time, and we do too, right? Maybe we haven't killed anybody, but you bet you coveted, you know. Yeah. And I think it's important that if you if you go to the end of this conversation in Exodus, so in, in Exodus chapter 24, Moses has said all these things and the people agree. They're like, yes, we want to be that people. We will obey God and we will be his covenant people. Mm-hmm. So what happens is Moses takes the blood of an animal and sprinkles it on those people and says, mm-hmm. this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Mm. The covenant they, they break over and over and over and mm. over again. So you fast forward a few thousand years and at the Last Supper, Jesus takes the cup and says, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant poured mm. out for the sins of many. It is actually in Jesus and what Jesus does and his work in us that we become the kinds of covenant people that we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, not because that we're able to actually check all the things off the list, but because he's actually remade us in his own image. Mm, so good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many connections, so many places to go. But I think like when you let's let's wrap today with mm-hmm. answering question four, like, what does this mean for you, Rachel Tune, surrounded by stacks of paper, <laughs> surrounded by stories and problems and opportunities? Like, what does it mean for you today when we read this together? I when I read this and I just kind of sit with what God wants for the world. It just reminds me that I want to be a part of that. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be a, a part of a people who rests and who encourage each other mm-hmm. and who are kind. And I'm not those things a lot of the time, but it it excites me about what God's doing in the world and in mm-hmm. his communities and that he's making all things new. And so I can grind out a few more papers because God's got this and God, yeah. is, God is reshaping us. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, For me, I think when we go through this and we talk about this, I think in a world of confusion and lack of direction, it is so settling and comforting to know that God knows who we are and he knows what we need. And to be able to just clear the decks and be like, okay, this is, yes, there's a lot of confusion. There is a lot of pain. There is a lot of indecision. There is a lot of unknown, right? But God loves us so much that he created an environment and a framework and brought and gave us his son, right? Like Jesus came because he knew our actual condition and actually does give us a framework for some pretty somewhat simple <laughs> framework of priorities, right? That Not easy, but simple. Not easy, but simple, like accessible for all of us. Um, yeah, not easy to do. Not going to do them perfectly, but you don't have to be confused, and I think that's that's the part that is really beautiful. We can be confused about a lot of things, but we don't have to be confused about this part. Like, who is God? What is it like to live with him? What is he asking of us? Like, we don't we don't have to be confused. So I think that's just really settling to me in a pretty unsettled environment of our world. And, you know, even in my little world of whatever today is brought that's unsettling. So I'm grateful. That's good. It's good that stuff. Is good. All the time. Is all the time. All right, you guys. So fun. I hope you guys are keeping up with the reading plan. If you would like to download the free reading plan that goes with this study, you can go to nicoleunis.com slash Old Testament. 
you can grab it there. It's free. Just an easy way to keep up and kind of take on, take in what we've put together as a highlight reel of the Old Testament to get you from Genesis to Malachi. Let's go. Talk soon. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.